girl named Betty who wears patent leather shoes. She just moved from Missouri and she's feeling kind of bruised. She says, hey, 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 to the vendor at parking 81st. A good day, good day to the mailman as she passes and she sees the city glowing in the morning. She feels that she Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with the Suitcase. My name is Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I take my digital recorder with me to work, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the pilots, from the flight attendants, and from traveling around the world. This episode is called Contrails and Hound Dogs. Now, what in the world could those two things possibly have in common? Well, that's sort of what this episode's all about. Actually, what do... Contrails, hound dogs, fretless monsters, bajillionaires, low-cut dresses, and lisping pregnant women all have in common? (laughs) Well, they're all featured on this potluck episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. The last story in this episode is, well, basically, the only thing I can say is... Ooh, baby. Well, anyway, let's get going. Our first story is about contrails. I don't know, it was in the early 80s, I think, uh, pilots at Western Airlines all knew who Jimmy Jet was. He flew the 727. And he had a big thing about PAs to the passengers. He would go on and on and on with his PAs. And one of his favorite things to do on the PA was to give a scientific explanation of how a contrail was formed behind an airplane. And all the co-pilots were just sick of this, you know. And he had a very recognizable voice. And so uh, one day, one of the Western crews heard his voice on the radio. And they said, and they, and they said, hey, Jimmy, we just passed you. Did you see us? And he said, no, I didn't see you. He says, we saw you, we know it was you, and you have an amazing contrail today. And he says, really? Oh, that's so great. So anyway, his co-pilot was with him, relayed the story that after he received that call from the other airplane, he right away went into his story about how the contrails behind the jet engines are formed and then he went into a 360-degree turn to show the passengers their contrail. And there wasn't one. <laughs> there was no contrail. So. So uh, I used to be a river guide on the Colorado River in Utah. And my first year, I got brought along on this trip with this Japanese bajillionaire. A bajillionaire. A and his best friend and four geisha girls and a bunch of Americans. One of them had worked for him. Anyway, it was the most extravagant river trip of all time. We were cooking five-course meals and washing them on real china, none of your typical... Because he was a bajillionaire. Yeah, he didn't have plastic plates. We had to set up their tents. We had to set up their hot showers for them. Um, We had martini glasses, champagne glasses, wine glasses, Beer mugs, all glass. It all had to be packed up every day and put on the boats and run through the rapids. And they just got wasted the whole time. And we just ran around and washed dishes. That's all we did. I mean, there was like 10 of us. Did you have to take the dishes through the rapids? Yeah, we had to wrap them up in newspaper 
and then put them in cardboard boxes and then put them in dry boxes. We had a whole extra boat in order to accommodate all the dishes. Plus a, a chef, an assistant chef, and two musicians who were also dishwashers. And were these guys able to raft? Were they, were well, they it was motor raft? boats. Oh, motor rafts. So they just sat there. And, uh, and then they, the guy owned a cosmetics company, and the four women were cut models or geishas. We didn't really know exactly what their role was. <laughs> anyway, on the last night, we camped in this place called Big Drop 3. There's three big drops, and there's a camp right in between them. And, uh, I mean, wasted. Like, drink. They had a, a bottle of uh, Dom Perignon. They had, like, a, a bottle of 30-year-old single malt whiskey and and um and they had a the geisha girls came out and they had the guy and his friend and and one of the male river guides uh dress up and um drag and and, and do them all of makeup so they were um yeah it was wild and uh and they were singing and just stumbling around and meanwhile the rest of us just washing dishes and just like looking on bitterly and um and at one point, the the owner of the company, the bajillionaire, he's 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 all done up in makeup, but he he has his wig off, so he just looks like an old drag queen. He's like fifty something years old, and he just looks up and he starts weeping, and he starts crying, and he looks like a clown, and his makeup is all running down his face, and uh, you know we couldn't figure out why because we didn't speak Japanese, and we were down in th- this place where the Colorado River runs through Canyonlands where it's, there's no towns for 100 miles in any direction. It's one of the darkest places in terms of the sky. Like great stars. Yeah, well, it turns out the reason he was crying because he was looking up and for the first time in his life he saw the Milky Way. It really is amazing when you first see it. First yeah, it's just, I mean, you know, it's wow. like a huge stripe of, of clouds across the sky. And um, he was so moved that he... She stays out all night dancing and she likes to play the blues. She says hey to her ballet as she rolls in at 6 a.m. A good day, good day to her husband as he rolls his eyes. Getting up for work, putting on a smirk. Cause he knows that Betty City, it comes first. I was going to my husband's reunion this, this past summer in August. I got this really pretty dress. It was very low cut. Right. And um, it was a really hot day. And um, so it was really, really hot. So we were in the pool, me and the kids and my husband. And he goes, how much time do you need to get ready? And I'm like, oh, I'll take like, yeah, I'll take an hour. I'll get really dressed up. And so I went in and got ready. And I was actually ready before him, which is like unheard of. So then he came walking out of the bedroom with a Tommy Bahama shirt on and black dress pants. So I go, you can't wear that. And he goes, why? He's from Culver City. So, I go because it's summer and you have like a Tommy Bahama shirt and black dress pants. So either go change your shirt or go change your pants. They don't go together, right? So he goes. Yeah. So I was like, so he goes, okay. I go. He goes, well, my doctors are all my doctors. My doctors are all wrinkled. So I go, okay, I'll, I'll go in and iron them for you. So I went in and I was ironing and we have a dartboard in our room because we have this huge room. And my son comes in, he's nine, and he's playing darts, right? So he 
you know, and they're real darts, right? So he he throws the dart and it ricochets off the dartboard and into my chest, like literally, like dug into my chest. I was like, I you know, you could have been really hurt. Oh, I was in so much pain. I was like, I had to pull it out of my chest. Yeah. And I threw it on the floor. I just burst out crying. I had four layers of mascara on. I mean, they were all all over my face. That's what reminded me of that when you said that, when the guy was crying. I mean, I looked like my whole face was black. And we had to, we were supposed to leave in five minutes. And I was like, oh, I felt like I was going to die. And of course, my son is crying because he's freaked that that just happened. And he didn't mean to do it. And my husband comes running in his underwear. And he's like, what's going on? Oh, yeah, I was bleeding. And, and my daughter was freaking out. Everybody was standing around me. I was crying my eyes out. Oh, my God, it was awful. Betty likes to watch the city wake up as the sun glides through the sky. Betty likes to watch the city wake up. Reminded me of my very own low-cut dress story. And in previous episodes, I've explained that I used to date an actor. And he knew very interesting people. And um, I was put in very awkward situations that I was not prepared for over and over again, (laughs) just because of the type of people that he knew. And this story, I can't tell you the entire story because I don't want any negative, any negativeness in it, just because I'm going to say the name of the family that the story is about. So my old boyfriend got invited to... A wedding hosted by, actually for one of the children in the Walton family. You know, Walton, as in Walmart, as in probably the wealthiest family in the country. Well, you know, that's a little intimidating to me. (laughs) Okay, we're going to the wedding of one of the Waltons. All right, what do you wear to that? And he's like, well, it's in Monterey, which is a very nice part on the coast of California. And it's at a very, um, the rehearsal dinner was on New Year's Eve at this really nice hotel, probably the nicest hotel in Monterey, California. So he said, well, you know, it's New Year's Eve and it's in Monterey and it's at this nice hotel. So I'm going to wear a tux. So I was like, okay, so I'm out shopping, spending money I really don't have. (laughs) I buy this low cut black floor length dress, you know, he's wearing a tux, you know, I got to represent. (laughs) So we show up, we walk into the, you know, ball hotel ballroom, and everybody there, the Walton family, the entire rehearsal dinner party, they're all in gap clothes, khakis, t-shirts. The actual bride-to-be was in a jogging outfit. A jogging outfit, and I am in a floor-length, low-cut black dress. It's so embarrassing. (laughs) We look like, you know, the couple off the top of a wedding cake, and everybody else looks like, you know, they're hanging out on a Saturday afternoon watching football. These people are really nice, and actually, I had a great time at the wedding, and the next day at the wedding, I actually wore jeans, but it was just really embarrassing, and I felt very exposed, you know, (laughs) low-cut dress. Everybody else is in t-shirts. I actually went to the desk at the hotel and I'm like, do you have a pin or something? (laughs) Trying to, you know, put my top together. Anyway, it was fun, but boy, I hate being totally embarrassed in front of uh, very wealthy people. Baby likes to watch the city wake up and she knows that she could lie here. 
know the guy who played Goldfinger? <laughs> that guy, he had red hair right. in that, that James Bond movie. Right. He looks like, like him. This pilot. This pilot. He had red hair, <laughs> white skin, kind of sweaty. Yeah. Uh, and big. And um, we don't think he had a permanent residence. Okay. Yeah. Not for a long time. He used to live in an RV, and he'd park it in the employee parking lot. And on his days off, he'd like to go hunting. So he had these hunting dogs, these hound dogs. <laughs> and he would keep them in his RV. Well, I guess he in was... In the parking lot. In the parking lot, yeah. Is that work? And I guess he was going on kind of a long trip. So he had to take this dog with him because he, he couldn't leave him in the parking lot. <laughs> in the Winnebago. In the Winnebago, yes. <laughs> I've never seen the inside of this Winnebago, just for the record, okay? <laughs> I swear to God. And so um, he was on this uh, 730, he was a 737 captain. So here he comes. He's always late reporting for the trip, and it, that was when we they we used to have three pilots, right? So we had a first officer and then a second officer who sat behind the two guys in that tiny little cockpit on the thirty-seven. On so thirty-seven with three. Yes, this is a long time ago, and there were like oh eight flight attendants. It was really nice. <laughs> And so, here comes Ed at the last minute. You know, uh, people have already boarded. Here he comes with this hound dog. And you can just see the second officer go pale because he Ed puts the hound dog in the jump seat, the extra seat in the cockpit, right next to him. And this dog is drooling all over him. And he's got drool down his back, the second officer. Huge dog. And for how many days did he take this dog with him? Well, it was at least two days. He, you know what? He would do the craziest things and just dare you to say anything. I mean, people were so dumbstruck. Usually they didn't say anything. And, um... And, you know, the flight attendant would uh, come up every once in a while and go, well, can I get you anything? And this dog would be going, <laughs> and you'd go, well, you could get my dog some water. You know? And the poor SO, you know, is uh, he's just drenched in the back. So, Ed, rest his soul, wasn't the greatest pilot but they say that, you know, every landing you walk away from is a good landing. Well, he was landing, I think it was in L.A. They were basically done. And he was almost home free. And it was a really bad landing. And the oxygen mask came down. <laughs> so they reported it. Well, <laughs> everybody got off the plane. The cockpit door was still closed. Right. And, you know, all the people were really freaked out and of course nobody put their oxygen mask on I mean they were sitting the masks were sitting right in front of them but you know god forbid they actually do what they were told in the demonstration 
but the, all the people got off. I think they might have blown a tire. It was a pretty bad landing. So here comes the um, chief pilot, and he comes up to Pam. He comes up the uh, the stairs, and he goes, "Are they still in there?" She goes, "They sure are. Go right in." <laughs> was the dog up there too? The dog was still up there. <laughs> And what happened to the dog on that hard landing? Well, I imagine when the chief pilot opened the door, that hound dog was sitting in the second officer's lap. <laughs> okay, I'm talking with a, a passenger who's a musician, and you were the... I was the bassist in the band called The Firm, which was a, around in the uh, 80s for a couple of big tours, a couple of big albums, and the, their big song was Radioactive. And um, so <laughs> my name's Tony Franklin, and uh, I want to tell a little story, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of more of a personal take on it, because um, some of you will know that the guitarist in that band was... Mr. Jimmy Page, who was uh, with Led Zeppelin. And uh, here was me at 22 years old playing Madison Square Gardens with Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. And I still had not heard Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> and I tell her, some people ask, what were you, were you blindfolded? Well, what, was, what was going on with that? Well, I've been playing music a long, long time. And... Um, uh, when I was 16, I was playing this uh, like club and pub circuit with my parents' band, and on the jukebox. Oh yeah, yeah. My mother was playing. My mother was playing the sax the night before I was born, so I was just born into it. And actually, I was born in a in a, a, a pub, which is a drinking establishment, which they owned at the time, and the pub was called the Rising Sun. So I was born in the public house of the Rising Sun. Um, doesn't it just get cuter and cuter all the time? Yeah. Okay. So anyway, 16 years later, after the rising sun, I was playing this, this bar, which we played every week, and on, on the jukebox was Zeppelin's Rock and Roll, which I love that. I mean, who, who doesn't? I went out and bought it as a single, and on the B side of that was Four Sticks. Now, yeah, exactly. It's like, uh, what's, what's that one? Yeah. So... So I, I heard that and I thought, wow, is this what Zeppelin's really like? I don't like that. So I didn't pursue it anymore. This is me at 16 years, years old. I love the song, love Zeppelin now. So um, consequently, came to be playing on stage with these guys. And Paul Rogers was the singer in the band. And he was the, uh, you know, All Right Now, yeah, yeah. that song. He, he was a singer on that. And he was, he was the lead singer with Bad Company. You know, all those songs. So... It was one of those superstar rock groups, and that was me with the big '80s hair dancing around like a like a teddy bear with the with the with the fingers in the plug socket. So it was. Uh, thank goodness, though, that we didn't do any Zeppelin. I mean, can you imagine if uh, if they either call that? Well, let's let's do a whole lot of love, and I'm like, okay, uh, what keys that in? <laughs> I had no clue. And then Atlantic Records, who we were assigned to at the time, gave me the whole collection on cassette. <laughs> I, had the, I had the Walkman in the room with the speakers, and then it's like, 
heard the whole. Can you imagine that hearing the whole Zeppelin collection in wow. one go? Wow. For the first time. For the first time ever, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Now I get it. Yeah. Now I understand. And it actually put me in good standing because I wasn't like one of these guys that was in awe of Jimmy Page. If I was, I probably wouldn't have been at that age. Yeah, that at that time I probably wouldn't have been able to have done it. Um, and so uh, it's funny how things work out with that. I mean, once I once I realized what it was all about and saw the reaction in in America, I mean, it's like oh, okay. Then I started to get a little anxious, but. But I, that was later, so I was I was kind of over it by then. And the other thing that put me in good standing as well is that I wasn't thinking that I had to be like John Paul Jones, the bass player. I wasn't trying to be like that. I have this style that's called. Um, it's, it's I play exclusively on a fretless bass, which um, actually I have to say I'm very honoured and, and humble because Fender put out a Tony Franklin signature fretless bass this year. And you can only imagine how humbling and exciting it is to have a Fender bass with your name on it. That is. And it's the fretless bass, the one that was modeled after the firm bass. We made it, I made a few updates that, that, were, that I'd always wanted to have in the bass. And there it is. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So there's my, uh, there's my firm story. And I, hey, thank you so much. It was nice to share it. And thanks, for, thanks for having your recorder here. It's like you were... <laughs> You're just prepared for these things, hey? Because you never know. That's right. And I'm on my way from L.A. to Atlanta to do some uh, bass seminars in some music stores down there and tell more funny stories and, and play some... Yeah, this is a warm-up. This is a warm-up and play some... My nickname is the Fretless Monster. So I'm, when it comes to the Fretless Bass, I, I tear it up. And the Fretless Bass is not known so much in rock music see it's more of like a jazz or a smooth jazz kind of instrument but not with me what? not with me I just I tear it up because I am the fretless monster <laughs> thanks for being here and if you want to come and see me on MySpace it's www.myspace.com slash fretless Franklin there you go <laughs> wears custom Jimmy shoes she gets her head on Thursdays and she dines So we were on a flight from Mexico City to L.A. Um, it was a 5.7 or a 6.7, something that had a bathroom that was um, very strong when you flush the toilet. Yeah, the pressure. So um, th we served breakfast, and this lady had a wraparound silk dress on. And so she spilled something on her dress. So she went into the bathroom, uh, and she cleaned off her dress. And then she put the dress to the side, and she went to the bathroom, and then she got up and she just automatically, you know, flushed it. And there was a piece of the dress that was real, real like right next to the toilet. And the whole dress got flushed down the toilet. So she was actually in the bathroom in her bra and underwear. And we were like, you know, landing. We didn't, we don't even know how long she was in there. We were landing and I'm going, knocking on the door. Okay, lady, you got to get out of the bathroom. And she's like, I can't. And we're like, come on. Yes, you have to. Otherwise, we're going to have to go around again. You have to come out of the bathroom. I can't come out of the bathroom. So she opens it like a crack and she says, my dress got flushed down the toilet. <laughs> and we were all like, what? <laughs> So one of us had a coat, 
So we gave her our coat, and she got to come out and land in the coat. And then we opened the the door, and the agent, we told him what happened, and he was like, well, do you want your dress back? And she was like, no. <laughs> and he goes, I'm sure it's a pretty color shade of blue. Now, that last story about the woman flushing her dress down the toilet reminded me of a story of my own where I had to make a decision as to whether to go in after something. I was in India. I had just been hiking in the Himalayas out um, for seven days hiking, no shower, seven days. Now we're staying in this 75 cent a night Sherpa hut and there's a shower. I can't tell you how good a shower feels after seven days. And this shower, I don't know if any of you have been in this type of shower, if you don't travel that much, but lots of places, if it's very um, rustic, the shower will be basically, there's a room and there's a, what looks like a trash can, a, a plastic trash can full of hot water and a bucket. It's a bucket shower. You take the bucket and you pour the water over your head. And that shower was absolutely fantastic. And after the shower, you know, I'm feeling really good now. You know, I'm clean and I go to use the toilet. And I've explained before the type of toilet they have in India where it's just um, a hole in the ground and you squat and I'm squatting. And I, it's dark in the bathroom and I uh, have my sunglasses on the top of my head. And I reach down to get in my backpack because there's never toilet toilet paper either so I'm going to get a tissue which I always carry and so I look down and as you have probably already guessed the sunglasses from the top of my head go into the toilet the hole in the ground that is the toilet and I'm in India and Lord only knows what I was doing with expensive sunglasses in India but I don't purchase I don't make extravagant purchases and for some reason I spent $260 on a pair of sunglasses. I know it's not the smartest thing to do. But now I'm still squatting and looking in, in horror at my sunglasses in the hole and thinking, do I go in after them? What do I do? I went in after them. I wanted those sunglasses. I paid for those sunglasses and I went back to the bucket shower. <laughs> I tried to clean everything as best I could. I used my Purell, my handy wipes. When I got home, I tried, you know, I, I sanitized them with alcohol. I ran them through the dishwasher. So unlike the lady with the dress in the toilet, I went in after my sunglasses and I still have them. And um, the wife looked like she was a bit obese. So heavy set or obese? <laughs> Borderline. <laughs> Borderline. You couldn't tell. And um, she uh, you know, had baggy clothing on. And um, we did our, they got settled and we did the demo and we went through and did our walkthrough, safety walkthrough. And she was complaining to me about menstrual cramps. So I gave her some time. She was She told you she was having yeah, menstrual she told me, She's giving me TMI. To <laughs> that is a little bit of information. Okay, so she told you that she was having menstrual cramps. Menstrual cramps. Gave her some Tylenol. Took off. Got into the breakfast service. 
came back, uh, we got B-Zone dished out with the hot breakfast but back in the day when we right. had that. Yeah. Came Two back, days. and I was changing the cart out. And she had this lady, it was the same lady, she had a, a lisp. And um, so I could hear her without seeing her going, it's that lady again, she needs me. And it was, excuse me, myth, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> I'm thinking. So um, she has a lisp and menstrual cramps. And menstrual cramps, and she's now calling from the back lab in okay. front of uh, my jump seat at R4. And um, I said, one moment, please. I'm spinning the carts around, filling them up, and after I got it parked, I looked at her, and she's sitting on the toilet, the lavatory to toilet, with her pants down to her ankles, <laughs> and a baby in her lap. A baby in her lap. And a baby in her lap. And Wait, the baby that she came on with? No, the baby that she had in her tummy that she thought she had menstrual cramps. Wait, and she delivered herself in the she in the delivered lavatory? herself. Was there blood everywhere? She, there was blood everywhere. There was blood on the mirror, and blood on her And what did pants, the baby look blood like? Blood on her... Pretty ugly. <laughs> she delivered the baby? She, in she, the bathroom. In the bathroom. He, with a look of... She was just pure white, and she was she the started list. telling me, um, excuse me, Miss... I swear I wasn't pregnant. <laughs> I, but I okay. So I said, hold on, I'm going to get you help. So Please. I called the front, and um, I think, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> I think she, she thought I was joking. I'm like, no. Called ding dong, I'm not joking. <laughs> and I called the cockpit, and I radioed, or, or you know, paid for a uh, doctor. And I had a, do a cardiologist, a lung specialist. Lung specialist, that'll help. Yeah, and um, a nurse, just a regular practitioner nurse, and actually the nurse is the most help. <laughs> she came to the back. Pilot said to prepare for landing, we're going to do emergency landing in Albuquerque. So um, we had three flight attendants that were marvelous. They went to the back and um, held up a blanket, gave her privacy. And uh, the nurse just proceeded to clean the baby clean up. Clean it all up and do what she had to do. Well, this story gets better. Um, we asked where her husband was, and I, you know, we had an idea where he was sitting, and we go to tell him, you know, sir, you have a baby on flight. Was it a boy or a girl? It was a baby boy, a healthy one, because I read it in the paper the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and it looked like it was breathing. It looked like it was fine, you know. It be cleaned up. So anyway, so we're telling the husband, and he's of in this area right here. He's sitting right in the middle seat, in the yeah. middle section. With and they have other two, kids with them. Two yeah. cute little boys next on each side. Crew cut hair. We lean over. I, I leaned over. I go, excuse me, sir, did you know that, you know, you have a, a baby boy? <laughs> he goes, no, my wife's not pregnant. <laughs> Pops the headset back in his ear. I go, sir, you, you didn't know it, but yes, she is pregnant. <laughs> you have a baby boy back there. Enjoyed the stories about the contrails, the hound dogs, the fretless monsters, the bajillionaires, the low-cut dresses, and the lisping pregnant women. And I hope you'll join me again next time on Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase so we can travel the world together. Mm -hmm.